Opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. It is a Wednesday night as we always come on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for joining us tonight on this March 27, 2019. Um, we do have a special guest for you tonight, uh, someone in the air, local area that I live in, although I don't live in Mecklenburg County, um, but we will be speaking with a uh, special guest, Commissioner Mark Jarrell of Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. If you ever heard of Charlotte, North Carolina, then you, that's where uh, Charlotte's located in Mecklenburg County, which is right across the river from where I am in Gaston County. So um, looking forward to speaking to him a a little later in the broadcast just so you know new abolitionist radio is an award-winning weekly radio broadcast and podcast that started in 2012 to bring awareness to legalized slavery in the united states along with human trafficking and this was codified in law by the 13th amendment of the u.s constitution now this issue is often i feel personally inadequately referred to as mass incarceration but that's what most people call it today but it's really technically uh, uh historically as well as correctly linked to a continuation of slavery in a new form that's what the 13th amendment um that's how i interpret the 13th amendment so we got legalized slavery through prisons jails and detention facilities and then we had a mistreatment of those incarcerated in them and they constitute severe human rights violations per the universal declaration of human rights on the mass scale. So New Abolitionist Radio is a collaborative effort between the nonprofit organizations, Prison Streets Talk Ministries and the Black Talk Media Project. Of course, it's hosted by Tyson McCullum, Mother Khadijah, Maxwell Melvins, and of course, uh, yours truly, Scotty T. Reed. Again, join us live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't make it live, then within a couple of hours, the podcast will be posted. And make sure you you share the broadcast and the podcast. Um, 
Now, before we get started, let me, let me do this first. Um, we are in the midst of our uh, fundraiser to see if we're going to make it to year number 12 as a platform. And what I'm speaking of is the nonprofit uh, Black Talk Media Project's 11th annual fundraiser. So um, we have set a budget of 24000 for a year. And we have raised so far $3,341. Again, our goal is 24000 That's a very modest budget for uh, what we've been able to accomplish and what we, the vision of what we want to do. Uh, but we still need $20,000 and 600 and yeah, $20,659. Uh, you could donate. Any amount will help. Also, if you join our social media community, btrcommunity.com, that $24 a year, that goes towards uh, our, our budget um, as well. If you use any of our services, uh, the digital radio station hosting, I was talking earlier to a potential client or our podcasting. Uh, as we're running a, a special right now, now you can pay as little as $10 a month. That's our regular price for podcast hosting, unlimited, you know, podcast hosting. I think we're unmatched in that area. But if you go to some of these other podcasting hosting platforms, it's, it's the least is $10 a month. Um, on the high end might be $30 a month, somewhere in, in between. Well, right now, you're a podcaster. Specifically, if you're a podcaster who is black or African descendant and you're looking to target, um, looking for an audience among African descendant people, then Black Talk Radio Network was just voted, um, by a independent media re and marketing research firm based in India, the number one black radio and podcasting platform. So right now you can get, a um, a special membership for our fundraiser. $24 a year. Once we hit that $24,000 goal for the year, then it'll go back to normal pricing, which is $10 a month. Still some of the lowest in the business. So, you know, we're just very serious about trying to keep this platform online and be able to go into, um, you know, our 12th year. You know, pretty much, um, um, you know, things come and they go. And, you know, um, it depends on how much we value those things or whether they stay around, whether they live or die. So we hope that people will uh, participate in our modest fundraising goal. All right. So I mentioned we got a special guest tonight. Our special guest will be Mr. Mark Jarrell. He was recently elected to the Mecklenburg County, um, North Carolina, again, in North Carolina Board of County Commissioners. And he represents District 4. As I was telling Mother Khadijah before we came on air, I had a cousin. If you live in Gaston County, um, yeah, I had a cousin who ran for the county uh, board. Uh, Jennifer Graham um, ran. Yeah, she's married to one of my cousins, so she's my cousin, right? So, yeah, she, but she lost. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to talk to Mr. Jarrell, or we should say Commissioner Jarrell. And see, you know, what kind of power does that position hold? And when I say power, I mean ability to influence public policy. You know, we focus a lot on presidential races like they're focusing on now, 2020. Um, then the congressional, we just had the midterms. And then, you know, 2020 also will be some um, Senate and uh, House of Representatives seats pop, uh, possibly up. And you'll be voted on that. 
But, you know, there's an old saying, all politics is local. You know, um, when we look at places like Ferguson, we know that those people were most oppressed, according to the FBI, by local department policies and city policies. And so we these positions are not glamorized or not as coveted, but they do have an impact on the local residents of those counties day to day lives. So looking forward to to talking to Commissioner Jarrell about that. Now, he has been actively engaged in the community and focused on efforts to support social justice, equity and improving the lives of all people in Mecklenburg County of which, again, Charlotte, North Carolina is located. Commissioner Jarrell will be joining us tonight in conversation. All right, so somebody's blowing up my phone, and I'm on air right now, and it's kind of distracting. So let me turn uh, my phone off. I do apologize for that. Now, before I get into some of what's in the news, um, I think I know the reason why I uh, believe that we lost Mother Khadijah on the board. And so I'm not sure what's going on there, but um, let me just go ahead and finish up our uh, opening presentation and then we'll get to them now. Um, we do have a couple of news items that we talk about during the first half of the broadcast. Um, New Jersey Senate won't vote on a cannabis legalization bill that would expunge convictions, meaning expunge from their records of people who've been convicted of possessing up to five pounds of cannabis. Um, another story, Delaware Attorney General Kathleen Jennings has unveiled a startling progressive reform agenda. And then we have um, another article concerning homelessness and prisoner reentry examining barriers to housing. Now, I do want to start off with this update. Um, but before I do that, we're going to, we seem to be having some issues with uh, some of our other hosts, uh, technical issues. So what we're going to do is take a, a short music break. Let me address that. Um, I'm the only engineer in the studio. So let me address that and we'll get right back to you as soon as possible. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. All right, welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. We seem to be having some issues with our other hosts, so I'll probably be going solo for the rest of the evening, but it's not like I'm new to this, so I do apologize to the listeners, though, uh, for the problem. Um, so let me go and pull up some of these latest news in prison slavery, um, because that's exactly what it is. To, to say it's not is to deny what the 13th Amendment says it is. So um, Maxwell had brought this article to my attention. And when we're talking about expunging records, cr people's criminal records, especially for nonviolent, what I call uh, victimless crimes, if you're talking about anything related to cannabis, unless you're talking about adults selling cannabis to uh, what they call minors. And so, uh, but other than that, you know, we're talking about collateral consequences. And um, New Jersey Senate won't be, Apparently they were, but they won't be voting on a legalization bill that would expunge convictions for possessing 
up to five pounds of cannabis. How they arrived at that number, I have no idea. Um, but the governor and legislative leaders and, and most of the residents in New Jersey um, believe it, are saying that, hey, we should legalize. But of course, of course, the slave catchers or as some as they're also known cops anchors uh, seem to be standing the way. So just say the pro drug war uh, lobby wants to prevent that. So um, apparently that bill will not be voted on. Now, it was a planned vote that would have sent it the bill to New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's desk, but it has now been postponed indefinitely. Now, what kind of people got that kind of power to table a piece of legislation that was that close to becoming law. I mean, that take that talk takes some power when you're talking about lobbying. Um, you know, recently, uh, Representative Omar had came out and said, "Okay, I, I see. I'm having an issue as well um, with people um, with this board. So let me try it again." You know, we always got some haters out there and uh, agents that's trying to. Uh, on a super conference. Please hold while we wait for the others to join. And that is why I, I needed to switch um, our boards. Cause cause of people want to disrupt. But okay, let me let me continue on with the uh, broadcast. So think about Representative Omar out of Minnesota, and she was talking about the power of APEC and how they twisted that. And into calling it anti-Semitic and it has, you know, Israeli, uh, is a nationality and it's a government and it has a set of policies. It has a human rights record and they have a lobby that lobby, um, the U.S. Congress and they get a lot of money and weapons directed to them, basically give it to, given to them for free. I believe to the tune of some people have said about five billion a year. That's a lot of money. That's, that's, you know, uh, black folks reparation money right there. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's how many homeless and hungry people could that house and feed? And we're just giving all this money away, not to even just single out Israel. So, you know, all these different governments have lives that they lobby the U.S. government for sweetheart deals and giveaways at the expense of the U.S. taxpayer. So I'm I'm trying to relate that to, you know, what groups are behind lobbying successfully, I would say, to table uh, this legislation. Now, this article from Reason.com says the legalization of adult-use marijuana will get passed in the state of New Jersey one way or another while Senate President Stephen Sweeney, a Democrat uh, representing Gloucester County, at a press conference this week, he announced the cancellation of a planned vote on the bill Um that cleared the state house. So again, you know, uh, uh, Max uh, had sent me this and, you know, that's just very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate that you had a bill. I, I see we have our host back. Um, sorry about that, Mother Khadijah. I, I do believe that, you know, it's some sabotage going on with that Uber conference line. And that's why we had the other line for our host um, and panelists, let me go ahead and unmute you because it's like we're like 20 minutes into the program and we haven't heard from you. Are you there? Hello? 
Oh, uh, yes. What's up? Uh, What's up, Brother Tyson? Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, man, they, oh, you know, you know, the devil is a liar, man. They try to um, cut us out. We couldn't get in because they was kept saying it was interruption with the own, with the own, the own net, the line. Okay. But um, they cut us off completely. So, but um, other than that, man, yeah, I'm blessed. You know, my wife is blessed. Everything is good, man. It's just good to be on the show, be able to talk about these real life topics, and be able to um provide information to the people, man, so they can get on board and be able to help change some things, man, take a village to raise a family. So I hope word, these people word. out here listening and really taking this into consideration and really getting some knowledge from, from the things that you're speaking about as well as the things that we all speak about. Well, but, um, We also have homeless and prisoner reentry, man. We have an article here where is that we have brothers who come out of prison and sleeping on, bitch, on benches. There's over seven... 100,000 individuals return home from state prisons in the United States and an additional 9 million are released from from county jails. More than 10% of these coming in and out of prisons and jails are homeless. And in the months preceding and following their incarceration. So so this is this is this is that, this that's is a, a lot major, of people. Like. Yeah, that's a lot of people, and you would think that would be you know headline news on these cable news networks of you know, and it's totally unnecessary, you know, because as it relates to prisoners, and I want you know you all to speak on this. This is one of the articles that we wanted to feature. We got about eight minutes, and um, but um, you know. A lot of these are prisoners, I would bet. What, what, right. you seen any breakdown on that? And, you know, just how prisoners, former prisoners, people who have so-called served their time and what have you, have these legal right. barriers to them even getting something as, as right. simple as housing. Hey, but Scotty, you know why, you know why most people who come home are, are homeless? I, I had a situation yesterday, right? I went to our own temp agency, and I applied, signed up, and because I have a background, I wasn't able to be provided with a job. Because you have a felony slave status. They have a felony. Right. The job that I already qualified for and applied for. So these are conditions that that keep keep brothers and sisters, you know, homeless because you know. You, you're making it hard. You, first of all, I'm going through a temp agency. Why, if I'm not signed on to this company, why do I have to, you know, pass a background? If, if this is what you're supposed to do, this is what your company offers, provide and, and on um, people who come home from incarceration jobs. So that's, that's just one, one criteria of why we homeless. And not, and, and also is that the fact is that they really can care less because, at the end of the day, people who come home from incarceration are not considered citizens. We are we are no longer considered citizens. They feel as though we have lost all rights because of of committing a crime or having a felony background. So it's like you really not considered. They, they, you know they preach that stuff when you're incarcerated or you reintegrating back into society to be a citizen. But they really, you know, once you get out here, they don't look at you like a citizen. But see. Mother Khadija is going to alliterate on some more facts of the things that you're, you're asking about. Yeah, but, but like you just said, though, 
It's not, it's not that they don't look at you, Brother Tyson, as a citizen. It's that you're not a citizen. You're relegated legally. To, I mean, this is legal discrimination. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And unfortunately, you know, homelessness, is, it's not just a public safety issue. It seems to be a public health issue, according to this article. And it seems to be, New Jersey seems to be the state that actually has, somehow successfully reduced the state prison population by 37%. And that was almost 10 years ago. What they did, they created alternative um, uh, solutions to incarceration and providing community-based reentry and treatment services. That's the thing. People do not understand that mental illness has the higher average rate of homelessness and housing insecurity. These are people that have mental conditions. Now, they have the highest rate of being homeless. Now, that's a major red line issue. Why is that? So if we can figure out how, how we can figure out um, services and treatments to tackle this before they come out to prevent that, because what's going to happen, they're going to end up doing something and go back in. Unfortunately, that's what happens. You know, Mother Khadijah, um, real quick, though, on a point that you made about mental illness being the number one factor and homelessness, but also, you know, again, I want to link that back to prisoners because we know that people don't really get mental health treatment. They get prison slavery in this country to treat their, you know, uh, uh, um, their behavioral issues and, and what have you. So, so I would imagine also, you know, along, and then let's not forget that a lot of the conditions in that environment in these prison plantations causes mental illness or makes it worse. Please continue. That is so correct, Brother Reed, because unfortunately when people don't realize when people come out of the system, they still have to compete with people who don't have a background. And the market, yeah, there's a lot of jobs out here that's great, but People aren't willing to take that risk to give people chances. There are some that's out there. I'm not going to discredit those that do have programs established. But imagine if, if, if all companies, some sort of have, have a program to where they allow maybe, maybe a handful, maybe up to five or ten people that have a background so that if they could teach them the social skills. Because if a lot of things people do not know how to socially acclimate themselves when they come out. So, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a process. So we can get companies to vow, hey, we're citizens, we understand. We all know or been locked up. We've had some sort of people that we know that's been locked up. We should understand what it's like to come out. Imagine if you don't have a background, how hard it is to get a job. So if we can figure out a way to come together as a community, find out, hey, this works, this working in New Jersey. Let's see if we can implement this in North Carolina. If we can start by not just reinventing the wheel, but, but taking things that's already in place that's working, that not just benefit people monetarily, but actually help people rehabilitate themselves that they can learn how to be loving family members and learn how to take care of their families. That's what it's all about. Yeah, so I, I got a crazy this thought. Because this is an issue that happens every day worldwide, not just in America, worldwide. Right. So that's why I really wanted to bring this out. and I really wanted Brother Mark Jarrell to come on because he deals a lot with the homeless issues here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, I don't think, discovered the rate as far as how it impacts the prisoners that's coming out. But um, that's why I really wanted him to come on because he sees the issues. 
And not only does he talk about him, he's trying to make solutions and, and, and use his position to, to, to educate the community. Hey, this is the issue that's going on locally here in this Mecklenburg County in Charlotte, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. And, and so Mother Kabeja. Let's bring our resources together and educate others within the community. Yeah, so we, he'll be, he, I believe we already have him on the line, but we got a couple of more minutes. Um, but I, I want to um, offer a solution on something you just said about reentry and employment. Um, there is a politician out there, um, as far as I know, um, when we're talking about president. And then again, the president office is more of a bully pulpit, but they do have a lot of power. Um, and, you know, um, but you have to get Congress on board. But, you know, Dr. King at one time talked about a guaranteed job. And I think Bernie Sanders is speaking today, a guaranteed job for all Americans. Now, what Bernie Sanders needs to be questioned on, if anybody's in a position to ask him the question, when you talk about, you know, guaranteed employment for Americans, um, will it have some exclusionary language in there where it's going to bar people who who are labeled as felons, you know, because, uh, it, it, you know, according to them paying taxes when they are able to get work, you know what I'm saying? They're being taxed like citizens. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I think um, I'm on board with that because there's a lot of work that can be done, but I don't want to you know, veer off into another uh, topic. But let's go ahead and welcome on Mr. Jarrell. I believe we do have Commissioner uh, Jarrell on the line. Do we have you on the line, sir? I am on the line. Good evening, everyone. Hey, good evening, and uh, congratulations on on your successful campaign to uh, become part of the Board of County Commissioners. Thank you, my brother. I, I really appreciate it, and I, I really appreciate the support of uh, of the community and so many hardworking people that were out here that afforded me this opportunity to serve. So it, it's it's really humbling, and it's a uh, uh, it's a real pleasure to serve. And and uh, we have a lot of work to do, and um, you know we're we're ready to make it happen. Well, before we get started, it's a new thing that we're doing with first time guests on new abolitionist radio and the title, you know, we hope that it gives a clue to people about what we're about, you know, and of course we have a description, but this program was founded on uh, educating the public on the 13th amendment. Um, I'm, are you familiar with that amendment? You know, there's a lot of amendments and sometimes, you know, people are not always familiar with the text of those. But Ava DuVernay uh, recently did a documentary in 2016, which was awarded, uh, excuse me, nominated for an Oscar called the 13th. Um, but in 2012, you know, um, we did it uh, based on, on the text of the 13th Amendment, which says slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for crime where the person has been uh, duly convicted in a court of law. And I, when the original host, because we've had several hosts, but uh, the um, most of the people who call themselves new abolitionists and are associated with us, we interpret that text as n not actually abolishing slavery as they have taught us even you know not just through the education system but through Hollywood and movies that hey America dealt with this issue of slavery in 1865 it's over but you know um, 
no attention is focused on that exception clause, which simply, um, in our opinion, creates a new avenue or a new form of slavery, if you will, uh, for those convicted of crimes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with our interpretation of the 13th Amendment or do you see it, you know, another way? So great question. And uh, thanks for starting me out real easy. I, re- You know, I appreciate that. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when, when we take a look at the 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 13th Amendment, and I, I guess it's in its original form, we're, we're looking at, to your point, um, the the abolition of slavery, but I do believe that there are people out here that that interpret it um, uh, similarly to the way that you just uh, um, broke it down, and and I think um, you know I, I think that we do deal with uh, other forms of slavery. You know, there was a a great documentary um, called Slavery by Another Name. And so, I mean, we found uh, uh, certainly the powers that be over the course of time and history have found ways to basically, uh, um, you know, keep the institution alive. It's just in different forms. And so, you know, I guess it begs the question, how do we combat it? You know, what is there to do? How do we educate and, and, and make sure that people have visibility to uh, uh, different ways that that the system is still being implemented and applied and particularly to those who are disenfranchised and, and marginalized and, and our most vulnerable citizens. Um, I'm, I'm, before I turn it over to mother Khadijah, um, I was recently telling her and telling our audience that I had a cousin. I live in Gaston County, North Carolina, just across, you know, the Catawba river from Mecklenburg County. And, Absolutely. and, um, her name is Jennifer Graham and she ran for the county board here. And unfortunately, you know, she didn't win. Um, but you know, I have long talked about and other people, I didn't create the term, but you know, politics is local. So, you know, tell us what encouraged you to run for the county board of commission. Is there a specific reason you chose to run for that office and what what kind of avenue does that office uh, allow you to have to impact, you know, local issues, social justice issues, criminal justice issues, you know, those type of uh, uh, issues? Yeah. So, so great question. Um, for me, the reason why I decided to run for office, I, I worked behind the scenes in the community for, for many, many years. I, I worked as a uh, campaign managers. So there were a lot of people that are in office right now that, that, um, you know, I, I was, uh, uh, successful in, in helping them get elected, um, to, to serve our community. And, um, and, and really what was the, the catalyst for me, it, it came to a point where, uh, as many people in your, that, that are in your listening audience will, will understand this is that, um, you can only stay behind the scenes for so long. Um, you, you, there's a responsibility that you're going to feel um, to lend your time and talent to, you know, for the betterment of the community. I mean, I could only so much tell people what to say, how to say it, the issues that they should be highlighting and the things that they should be focusing on. But as I was doing that, I was wrestling and grappling with, the, the struggle within me that said, well, while you're doing this and telling them and, and assisting them in, in the things that they should do and say and focus on, 
why aren't you uh why are you staying behind the shadows and and why aren't you lending more of your time and talent um and putting yourself out there on the front line so it's to a large extent it's easy to be behind the scenes it's much easier um it's a it's a space it's comfortable uh you don't have to take a lot of shots you don't actually frankly you don't have to take a lot of positions um you 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 don't no one necessarily cares about what you think so to speak um uh but i i also was working in a lot of organizations like black political caucus and a part of different organizations i was uh chairing um the get out the vote committee so i was i was working and moving in every part of our community i was going into knocking on doors and and working really hard um and, and and really, as I was looking at the conditions of the community, as I was looking at the conditions of my people, as I had my daughters and and I thought about the community that I wanted to leave for them, it was very, very important for me to decide to say, okay, how can I affect change uh, with the talent that I've been given? Um, and, and with that, I felt like the space that God had put me in and, and what was placed in my heart was to serve the people in a way that uh, we could affect policy. And we all have our lane, we all have our space, and none are greater than the other, but we all have to work together as one team, as one unit. And so my particular lane and my particular space is that of trying to affect change via policy, not just via my mouth and advocacy and activism as I did previously. What, and you know, what? that's what I love about you, Commissioner Jarrell, is that you really are you really are an active member of the community. You really are active. We see you um, trying to just get your own survey because you're trying to figure out what's really going on. Why is, you know, affordable housing? Why is why are we having problems with that? We have so many, so much land, so much money. Why is it people are homeless? And, yeah. you know, and that's what I wanted to address with you is, what the what are some of the issues that you see with the survey and the researches research that you have compiled lately just within your own county here in Charlotte? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question and, and thanks for, for um for asking that because um but you know when you when you go to the survey and, and, and we did what's called the point in time count, um you know, you're you're really touching you know, you you're really touching people and I and I believe as an elected official, you know, it, you know, I, I don't care about being behind the dais. I mean, the dais is being behind the dais is a formality. It's statutory requirements that we have to do that on Tuesdays and so on and so forth. But as you know, as my sister, you know that I like to be with the people and I like to be put myself in uncomfortable spaces. So while God has given me, you know, favor in certain respects that has allowed me to be with quote unquote people of power. And I put that in quotes um, for the purposes of this, but I also where I thrive and I think where I add the most value is being with real people and being boots on the ground and, and, and being on the street so that I can really understand and be as effective as possible. So getting back to your question, you know, what I really saw when I had the opportunity to, you know, talk to our homeless brothers and sisters. And, and I'll tell you this, even before the point in time survey, one of the things I did, and, and this was um, 
this was a real uh, shift for me. You know, we, we all go through these times in our lives where we have aha moments. And so I was running around, I was campaigning, y'all, and, um, you know, and I was consumed with, oh, my gosh, I got to try to raise money. I got these two opponents against me. And, you know, things, you know, pe- things, things were looking, you know, I had a lot of negative energy around me about people telling me what I can't do and so on and so forth. And I started putting the focus on me. And I, and, I, and I had a fundraiser uptown. And I remember I came out of the fundraiser and I was so consumed with myself that I walked on Pfeiffer Street. I had parked on Pfeiffer Street. And, and if anybody knows, if you're listening to the audience, if you're familiar with Pfeiffer Street uptown, there's a place called The Wall. And that's where, you know, dozens and dozens of homeless people congregate. And that was the district that I wanted to serve. So I, I remember I was so consumed with myself that I was literally walking by these brothers and sisters that are out there and in terrible conditions. And, and I remember I got in my car and something hit me as I was doing, I, I wasn't even really noticing them. And that, and that's not me, but at this particular time, like I said, I was so consumed with myself and um, I, somehow I, I looked up and I looked around and I saw all the brothers and sisters at the wall and, and, and just in, in terrible condition. And, um, and, and, it, and it was in the district that I wanted to represent. And I remember I got out of my car immediately and, and I came to myself and uh, I just started talking to the, to, the, to the brothers and sisters. And I was saying, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I don't know if you vote. I don't know what your situation is. And that's not even important. But I'm somebody that wants to represent you. And I said, tell me what it is that you need, because I don't know if I've ever even asked. What is it uh, that you need? And so they started giving me information and things of that nature. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, hey, Brother Mark, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to, while you was alliterating on that, just to, to ask you, like, you know, you see a lot of these brothers and sisters homeless, but how many of these people who are homeless out there that just come home from incarceration or how packed is the shelter with brothers and sisters who come home from incarceration? They have nowhere to go, and with yeah. with the situation yeah. with housing authority yeah. now or public housing, you know, not being able to clear background to be able to have somewhere to stay. How, yeah. you know, yeah. how hard is that? And, and and what is the solution that we need to come up with? You know, as far as the government with changing some of these rules to be able to get That's these right. people opportunity to stay on on, on government property. That's right. So n- another great question. One of the things that we found is that um, it, re-entry after incarceration is extremely difficult. Um, as a policymaker, I have to, 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 to one, we've got to make re-entry much easier. As a county, we need to support re-entry. What that means is we, we can't wait until somebody gets out, right? We have to start before that. Actually, you know, if it, it was up to me, you know, we, we would start way earlier one of the things that we, that we know uh, um, and again I'm going to speak in generalities now but if, if you take if, if we were to survey uh, you know the prison population you know a lot of the things that we would see uh, are there's some commonalities one uh, um, uh, limited education uh, in a lot of respects uh, meaning you know no, nothing beyond a, a high school diploma um, Drop, you know, a high percentage of dropout rates, um, high percentage of, um, you know, single parent homes. And I was raised in a single parent fam- uh, uh, home myself. 
Um, so, you know, there are certain things that where, you know, people have been behind the eight ball uh, and, and, you know, the, the societal structure uh, has failed a lot of people that we see incarcerated. But and, and particularly when it comes to our educational system has failed folks and has not prepared people to uh, be college or career ready, whatever their choice may have been. So one of the things that I believe in, and I'm a huge advocate and proponent for, of education because education was the primary component that not only changed my destiny, you know, ultimately it, it changed my trajectory in life because, um, you know, my mother decided to go back and pursue an education, which, you know, took me out of the projects and completely changed my quality of life. But I know that one of the things we, we have to provide better education to, to, to do those preventive measures. But in regards to people that are coming out, we've got to support them while they're in there. We need to have programs that, that provide um, uh, job training. Uh, we have got to make sure that people have supportive housing as they're coming out so that they're not on the street. I mean, to release somebody and they have nowhere to go is actually ridiculous. Um, we need to, again, make sure that they, they have a job and they're ready to work. They're ready to go to work and be productive. Or that's why we have some of the high rates of recidivism that we see. And so as a county, you know, as Mecklenburg County and a policymaker, you know, we have programs, but the problem is, is, you know, we don't scale, we, you know, we haven't scaled them. So yes, we help 50 people, but 5,000 fall through the cracks. So we've got to scale these supportive programs that in the community support services to be able to ensure that people don't repeat and go back through that same cycle and the, and the vicious cycle is broken. Hey, right. Commissioner, hey, there's um, an article uh, that I mentioned before Khadijah. that spoke of the barriers. Khadijah, let me do a follow-up yes. right quick. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Since he just spoke on it. Um, Commissioner Jarrell, uh, Brother Tyson earlier, was before you came on and joined us, was speaking earlier about felony disenfranchisement. So, you know, he spoke on, and I've heard other people spoke on, you go through these jobs programs while you're in prison, but then when you get out, they still won't hire you. You know, which which as a policymaker, government policymaker, you can't force the private sector to hire felons. Maybe you can give them incentives, tax incentives or, or things of that nature. But that's to me, you know, that seems to be a common theme is that you can give them the training. You can give them the education. But if they're forced to check that felony box that, uh, again, you know, like Brother Tyson was speaking on earlier, you're competing with people who are non-felons, and who do you think the employers are going to go with? So, you know, we've seen some states ban the box, so to speak, you know, for employment and what have you. And, you know, I'm not sure that's something that falls within the purview of the, in Mecklenburg County for the commission that you serve on, but can you speak to, you know, felony disenfranchisement, even if in generalities of what we need to do as a nation? Yeah, I, I mean, so it, it's certainly a, uh, a real issue. Um, voting, it should be a fundamental right of anybody who is a citizen of this country. Uh, when folks have served their time, um, regardless of the, the, the quote unquote, the level, um, you know, uh, I, I, just my personal belief, we should be, they should be eligible to vote. Um, 
you know, whether they had a, you know, a, a felony or misdemeanor or, or what have you. And so they're eligible uh, to pay taxes, I, sir. Right. Well, right. I, but I, you I, know thought, what? I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I, I that's what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Regardless of, of what they've done. I mean, voting is a fundamental right for anyone who's a citizen of this country. So, um, it, it, I mean, it's a easy, you know, that's a, a easy uh, question for me. Um, right. You know, that for sure. You know, you know, not too long ago, brother Patrick Cannon got 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 extra time in prison because, you know, after he caught his charge, he voted and and you know they gave him extra time. So, like this, you know, what I'm saying they 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 hard on felons, man. Like. Once you right. once you get that strike, right. there's there's it's like you strip you strip the all rights. You might as well get out the United States pretty much because you know living in the United States, once you get that one strike against you, it's hard to come up. If you ain't got no money yeah. and you yeah. ain't in, in amongst the powerful, it's like you know you know like if you look at half of the people who have money and they get to do what they want to do and. You know, look at look at look at the president. He do what he want to do. You know, he got money. You know, he's he's powerful. So, you know, you have people who do lesser things than what he do. You know, get white collar crimes. You know, cash in a check or something. And 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 you know, they done for the rest of their life because they 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 got a strike against them. They don't have the money to, to get their books or or erase their they record. You know, so. It's like, you know, it's these little things like this, man. It's like, all right, you know, when is my, my whole important thing right here, Brother Mark Jarrell, when is a person done paying with their crime? Because, you know, in the federal system, right, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can go do a sentence, right, and then once you come home, they can still go back to that same sentence that you didn't serve your time for and still add on yeah. time because you caught that charge back then. You know, mm-hmm. so it, yeah. you know when yeah. they do this point system that they 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 have, and it adds more time, so you're never done paying with a crime. With within the United States and the federal government system, you are never completely paid your whole debt to society for the crime that you pay all your time for, which is eighty five percent of your time, and not to mention three years to five years probation. So now you pretty much ain't really getting no extra time off or you're not doing 85% of your time because you're still under supervision for the last, what, what, 15%? So, you know, it's like, it's like you're, you're never done paying with a crime, man. And, and, and these laws that they govern us by and they continue to, 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 to change the constitutions to these, to these federal laws and to these state laws to be able to continue to be able to stack charges up against brothers and sisters, man. And, and it's unbearable, man. It's becoming a bad habit, man. You know, yeah. it's becoming well, a well, bad we, habit. Because, now, you know, now remember this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I apologize. I was just going to say, now, Now remember this. Now, it, it, in North Carolina, now, if somebody's committed a felony, mm-hmm. you know, they, they temporarily lose their, their I guess you would, they, they call them their citizenship rights. You know, whatever that whatever that means, and we can go down that trail. But for the purposes of of us talking about voting, I just want to make sure that we all understand that when somebody finishes their sentence 
yeah. or um, and and they're off of probation and parole or parole, yeah. they can vote. Right. Now that's one thing that a lot of people don't don't understand it, and so that's one of the things you know at different churches and 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 different community groups. I try to make sure that that we know, you know, and it's about also, that. Now, I'm um, not saying I'm not al- saying that's right, you know, because you know how however we want to look at it, but a lot of people think that they just can't vote ever. Yeah, because that's like that in so many states. But also in North Carolina, what's great about that particular uh, law is they don't have to go through all this red tape and file paperwork. Mm-hmm. It's just automatically restored once you're off parole and probation. Like that's you said, exactly right. That's exactly that, that's a hundred you spot on, my brother. That's a, that's exactly right. And so one of the things that we have to really understand: knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So. You know, we, we can't allow people. Of course, there's people that want to disenfranchise us and, and particularly black people. I mean, we and we ha- we can't be scared to say that, you know, you can look all around the country every time there's a, a you know, it's going to be a close call. Look at what happened just recently in Georgia, what happened in Florida in the 2000s, even here in North Carolina, where they try to do the voter ID. So, you know, they really, really, you know, want to disenfranchise black people when they cut the number of of um, uh, hours short when it comes to early voting. Who do you think they're targeting? And I mean, and we have to be honest and have these real conversations, but we also need to be knowledgeable so that we understand how to navigate the system. If a man puts a pit and it has, has built a pit, and I tell my brother and my sister, hey, there's a hole right there. Don't go there. And we still do. Whose fault is that? Right. Well, we got to get ready to uh, close out tonight's broadcast. But before we do that, um, um, Mother Khadijah, Brother Tyson, did y'all have a, a final question or comment uh, for Commissioner Jarrell? And before before you leave, because um, we do have a, a pretty large listening audience in Charlotte, because I'm based right here, you know, Black Talk Radio Network is yeah. based right sure. across the river. Um, tell people how they can support, you know, your um, your um, support you in your current position and, and you know, any contact yeah. information that you'd like to give out. But Mother Khadijah, Brother Tyson, did y'all have any parting questions for our guests? Now, you know, like I just wanted to um, thank this brother for being able to come on and share some more inspiration to the people, man. Let them know that it's possible, man, no matter what position you hold, man. You are accountable for your actions, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, right. it 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 is it's what you make of it, you know. When you get see, I like this brother because this brother got in position not because of his own selfish ways, but actually to be in the trenches and be able to, you know, to be able to do what he can, to be able to do what is possible in his nature, and God allow him to be able to do. Like I said, he's very hands on. He's in the community, you know. He's not turning down events. Because, you know what I'm saying, he, he can go chill with the rich white folks. He's actually in the hood. He's in the communities with these people who, who, who need a figure or need some aspiration of hope. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate him and I recommend, you know, man, I highly, I highly praise him for the things that he's doing in the community, man. He's one in a million out of the black, you know, commissioners or, or the people who just get on TV just to talk when it's convenient. He's actually out here in the streets with these people. So thank you, Brother Mark. 
that that thank you is, is my my thanks to you, my brother, for and, and for what y'all are doing and, and educating our people. Um, knowledge is power, like I said, and 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 I'm just and I'm just humbled to be able to to serve y'all and and you know and I don't want to do anything to embarrass us. I, I want us to to you know be able to walk with pride if my name is mentioned. That and and just know this. You know, uh, you know, when I'm behind closed doors and I'm with people that don't look like us, I have the same message as I do when I'm with us. And and, and uh, I hope, um, you know, and, and I hope my actions always reflect that. We don't always have to agree, but uh, I hope everybody always realizes that my heart is in the right place and I never think it's about myself. Everything I do is for the people, you know, because I just want to make a better world for our kids and and uh, and, and our families, and, and I'm humbled to serve, and, and I'm just so grateful and appreciative that, that people would think enough of me and y'all would think enough of me that I could share a little bit of information about myself and, and, and the things that I believe, and I'm just humbled to be able to be a part of this broadcast, and, and I just thank you all for what you're doing. Thank you, Brother Jarrell. We It's a pleasure. And, and, and for the listeners that's listening, Brother Jarrell, let us know, how can we help with some of these projects and better um, improve the homeless barriers that, that we face here, just within our county here or, or anyone else that's listening in their county? What can we do to get the message out there that we need to take it upon ourselves as a community to break these barriers? Yeah, so great question. I think one of the things that that we have to do is is to plug in. There's a lot of groups that are that are out here working uh, with the homeless and and um, you know talking about uh, voting rights and and talking about affordable housing and and all these issues and education. They're all interconnected. And what I think uh, you know, I would love for people to you know follow me on social media. I usually put out as um you know going to attend events and and do different things. And, and I would just love for people to to be able to come and support and lend their time and talents to to um, you know some of the efforts that are out here, and then also reach out to me if I can if I can be supportive of any efforts that that they have as well. All right, thank well, thank you, Commissioner Jarrell, and again, you know, congratulations on your successful campaign. Thank you, brother. And you know, um, like like we had this saying, this uh, saying on New Abolitionist Radio when we talk about abolishing slavery with no exceptions is uh, death death to the institution of slavery by a thousand paper cuts, meaning that, like you spoke on earlier, you know, there are many different avenues, many different trenches, you know, as far as fighting for what we know is right, and that's the human sure. dignity of all. So I, I, so I appreciate you, and I'll be following you on social media. And I would say to the listening audience, if you're in, um, that's District 4, uh, sir? Yes, sir. Yeah, if you're in District 4. Part of Mecklenburg County. Yeah, if you're in District 4, turn out to some of these open public meetings uh, where the commission has. Because that, you know, that that just, um, you know, it's the power of lobbying. And it's more of us than it is those who use money to, to, you know, get their policies pushed through. So that's another, it's not just voting. That's very important to get a person in office. But once they're in office, you got to support them, come out. And, and, you know, show that you're on uh, the same side of the issues as they are. Because would you say that public support means a lot? It does. It does. And, and, and accountability is key, right? So I can say anything, but you you got to hold me accountable uh, to the needs of the community, 
right, and what you see. And so and, and holding me accountable also means that you can't just tell me what to do, but you got to be willing to get in the trenches with me and work with me and help me because I'm one individual. But working together, man, we could really make some things happen. All right. Well, good evening to you, Commissioner Jarrell. Again, congratulations, and we hope that we'll have you back on in the future. Any any time, y'all know how to reach me. So anytime, and, and and thank you again for for allowing me this this opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. With that, we will say good night to our listening audience. Uh, again, please continue to share the information about this program. Uh, share the podcast. You can find us on all the major uh, podcasting outlets. But it's best to come to our home at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Until our, our next live broadcast will be next week. Um, we got a special guest uh, coming on. And I'm not going to spill the beans, but follow us on social media and we'll give you some hints throughout the week of our next guest who we already know is going to come on. So with that said, um, recognize the fact that we live behind the enemy lines of what I call USA Inc., where slavery is still legalized in the U.S. Constitution, which is, they say, the supreme law of the land. And given that fact and given that we have the world's largest uh, prison slave population, I come to the conclusion that there needs to be a movement to abolish slavery, and we hope that you will uh, join this movement. Peace and blessings to all. Land of the free, lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom.